think the birthday girl has a question. Happy birthday, Bhakti. So, um, Putana dressed herself as a devotee and came before Krishna dressed for as a mother. But then we heard in Gopachampu that Pralambasura, he dressed himself as a cowherd boy and he picked up the garb of the cowherd boys and Krishna knew who he was, but he invited him as his friend and he even said, you know, today you are my best friend because <laughs> he knew that with his help he'd be able to defeat Balaram. Um, so he accepted him as his friend, but he did not attain a similar boon like Putin did, who became, you know, like she attained Matsali Ras, um, but um, Prolamba didn't attain Sakya Ras. So what would, was there a discriminating factor there? One thing to consider is that uh, Krishna is not bound by anything, so um, he may reciprocate, as Mahaprabhu has very feelingly said, stepping as he did into the into the shoes and sensibilities of Radha. Asliśyabha parvatam vinashtamam adarshanam marmatam karotu vāyatātatābhāvidatū lambato matprānanātastu sevanāpara So he's not bound by anything. He may reciprocate, he may not, such as his swarat, tene abhigniya swarat, independent hero, naik, he can do as he likes. And that's, we have to buy into that from the start, because it's different from the karma marg, which is what you pay is what you get. Hmm? You pay to play, and you get as much as you put in, as much as you get out. Hmm? If you do it imperfectly, you don't get anything. If you do it right, you get just what you're supposed to get. It's very mechanical. So this is at one end of the kind of religious spectrum, karma marg. It's very kind of a childish uh, perspective. Give me, give me, mine, I'm mine. Um, trying to harmonize that tendency in all of us. And um, as I've said before, the karma marg is is such that uh, it tenders to our self-centeredness hmm? um, and desire for acquisition and so forth in such a way that we we learn very, you know, we pay close attention a little, little bit that that life proceeds by giving, not by taking, because to, to, the karma mark teaches you, again, addressing that tendency in all of us to acquire um, and think that we'll become more, more happy, more secure, more knowledgeable, and so forth by such acquisition. In order to acquire, you have to give a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and you can acquire little acknowledgement there's someone on the other end just like if you live in your house and you have lights you have water you have heat you have a switch you have a button you have a faucet and there's something in the mailbox too there's somebody on the other end 
And yeah, once a month you got to acknowledge that guy and write him a check or two. Hmm. Then things continue to flow, right? So this is the uh, the karma mark, but it's a beautiful early um, overall. And therefore, we're taught with regard to Nam Dharma not to uh, criticize the Veda, which means not to criticize those sections of the Vedas that teach about Gyan, for example, and Karma as much as they are appropriate. Certain people have only Adhikara for that, and they um, um, uh, have to start somewhere, so to speak. So the Karma Marg is, you know, it's such like that. You, 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 you plug into this full of laws and rules and uh, so forth. This is the Varnashram. Uh, uh, dharma, and um, and you contain uh, attain up to you know the heavens. You could become a Brahma, hmm? even through karma. You could become a Brahma. So you couldn't attain a higher material position, so to speak. And um, in due course, regardless of how how high it is, you come down. Hmm? Such is the nature of the movement within the material world are high, high as it gets is as low as it gets. Uh, so it's like an ocean of waves. So, uh, you know, you're supposed to learn from that. I did all this to attain this. I got it and it didn't last, even though it went for 1000 million years. Um, so uh, this is, like I say, in one end of the religious spectrum, there's not a lot of love there. Hmm? Right? There's not a lot of love. Uh, I've given an example before when I was younger and we we first uh, were uh, invited to Vrindavan by our Guru Maharaj and um, there was the closest market was Loi Bazaar which is a, is a wool market but there were a few shops there that sold uh, devotional things, beads uh, or a shop that sold some crowns for deities and, and so forth and and so you know we went there and we spent our money there for the deities of our local temples and so forth it was an annual affair and um, because this money was coming from at that time mostly the United States and Europe uh, to, to India rural India shopkeepers were, were doing pretty good and Loy Bazaar was uh, you know flourishing amongst the different bazaars in Vrindavan, and so uh, then it became, uh, you know, in next year or something, you'd come to a shop and you'd see there was a picture of Prabhupada in the shop. You think, oh, they worship Prabhupada here. I'll shop here, you know. And there was a picture of Prabhupada over there, and then so forth. And after a while, you realized the picture of Prabhupada and the worship of Prabhupada is just to get you to buy at their store. You know, that's that's the extent of their of their worship, if you will. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad thing, but so the karma marg is, is something like that. Hmm? We worship to get something, right? Um, and if you do it right, you can get it. If you do it wrong, in any small measure, then the magic doesn't happen. That's the nature of those rituals and so forth. Now, love works in a different way. So there's law and there's love, and of course, love is law is meant is meant to bring us to love. The purpose of law only is to um, is to kind of cage the animality within us hmm? um, and harness it and so forth 
that we might be able to come out of the cage and be in the world, but not of it, which is to be moved from animality to the cage of humanity, which is the moral small g good, hmm? and then come out of that to the capital G good, where you can be in the world and you can do anything. And there's no taking involved. There couldn't be no better example of that than the Brajlila. So that's the point of one of the points of of the lila. There's a way to be in the world and even appear to be taking, but not be taking because there's no selfish motive involved, Hmm? and um, everything has its utilization in the service of its uh, of its source, if you will. So Vaishnavira Kriya Mudra It's difficult to understand the activities of a Vaishnava. If I was sitting, uh, you know, under a tree at Saragrai, only eating tulsi leaves. Anikadasi or something, then you could probably sell that pretty good, you know. The guy over here is really spiritual. Um, and a lot of people we come, and it happens in India. <laughs> people, all kinds of people come and they give money and all kinds of, for, you know, because it appears to be very overtly uh, spiritual, very non-material, if you will. But if you're fully involved in the world, if you're writing and talking and eating and doing all the things that, that Vaishnavas do, then so there was between you and the other person that's doing that. You have to trace out the motive behind it. Hmm? Once there's a way in which one could be fully in the world, but but not of the world, so to speak, right? So, but it's difficult to trace out. So at any rate, on the other end of the spectrum from the karma mark, you got you got bhakti and you got the braj bhakti in particular, and it's all about love. And so the law is is transcended by the love, and therefore you, you find what appears to be against the Vedic law. In the highest ideal of Braj Bhakti, the gopis eloping with Krishna. Hmm? Um, so, and according to this bit of philosophy is required, theology to understand all that, but you're, you're looking at two ends of the religious uh, spectrum hmm? the law, the bargaining. Hmm? What did Prahlad say? Sabai Britya, Nabai Bonik. Don't be a merchant, be a servant. Hmm? And that servant idea, ego, is fully manifests in the Brajagopis if you properly understand them through good 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 guidance and so forth. Hmm? So um, that being the case, then the Brajalila is a kind of well, you know another way to look at it too is if here we are in material existence and in one sense uh, we want freedom. We want things but if we're a little smarter, we want freedom from things. Yeah. We chased after, and then they're chasing us, so to speak. So that's the jnani. He wants to be free from things. So people approach God for things. People approach God to get away from things. The focus of each is the world, to get the world, to get away from the world. Bhakti's focus is different. It's on Bhagavan, serving Bhagavan. There's a little service to Bhagavan in wanting to get the world from him, or to get a, have him help you get away from the world. Hmm. And uh, and these are also the two tracks that our material life runs on: acquisition and and renunciation. We go after a thing and we give up a thing. Hmm. Those tendencies can be honed, and they are. There are whole scriptural paths to hone those tendencies. Hmm. But under themselves, even fully honed, they can't lead from the glacier hmm, to use a aquatic aquatic 
an, an aqua example. From the glacier on high, uh, only the Ganges reaches the Bay of Bengal. There are many other minor tributaries. But if they join with the Ganga, then they can go. So jnana and karma can be fruitful if they join with bhakti. Hmm? To, in terms of entering the Bay of Bengal or transcending material existence, but under themselves they can't. They're governed by Rajas and Thomas or Sattva, respectively, the gunas. So, so, um, um, so for the jnani, for the karmi, uh, if you will, uh, um, you're on one end of this religious spectrum, and for bhakti and braj bhakti, you're really quite um, on the other end, and uh, it's quite really the antithesis of the of the Gyanmarg because the Gyanmarg wants freedom from things. So everybody wants freedom. People want like time off, vacation. Don't have to do anything. This is the way we work. You know, uh, that's the nature of our our predicament. So we want freedom. I mean, what we're selling, and this is the point in Braj Bhakti, is something quite different. We're selling slavery. That's what we're selling. It's not going to be too popular amongst people that either want, you know, to take things or they, when they realize uh, taking things, you can get caught. <laughs> Your hand can get stuck in the jar and you can get caught. <laughs> there are repercussions. For all of my taking, there are reactions. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. This is karma. The more I take, the more I go into negative numbers. So the Buddhists, the Gyanis, they want to come to zero. Ah, from negative numbers, that's positive, hmm? comparatively. And peace, peace, shanti, shanti, nirvan, nirvan. No, that's the whole Buddhist whole thing. No more suffering. I mean, we're suffering pretty bad, so that's a pretty big thing. Wow, no more suffering. So people can buy into that. Yeah, no more suffering. It's a place to go, hmm? um, but is it the whole picture? Are there any positive numbers? Hmm? Very deep question proposed posed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? So, yes, there are indeed. So, beyond zero, there's 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 movement. In other words, I often say, well, action cancels knowledge. Knowledge cancels action. In a, in, a, in a Vedantic sense of these terms. So, action means movement towards sense objects that are here today and gone tomorrow, and it's a recipe for suffering. Hmm? If I like a thing, well, that's too bad because you can't keep it. So, how much you like it now? Hmm? So, that's why Krishna says suffering is born from the womb of attachment. Hmm? So, if I'm smart, if I'm wise, if I've got knowledge, I don't act in that way, in relation to to material acquisition or to interact with material sense objects in pursuit of happiness. Hmm? Uh, so, knowledge cancels action. I mean, well, action constitutes no, no knowledge, <laughs> ignorance, and suffering. Hmm? Love, of course, includes both action and knowledge. That's bhakti. Hmm? Right? Um, so, the whole picture, so to speak, the positive, the positive numbers hmm? in a mathematical uh, analogy. Um, so, 
we are selling then what, as I say, kind of a divine slavery. Freedom is included within that as a byproduct, so to speak. What is there to be? What is there to be had for the one who is the friend of the one who owns and knows everything? What is there to know? What's left to be had? You could know so many things and you could have so many things, but if you know the person who owns everything and knows everything on personal terms, you're doing pretty good without the effort of trying to know and trying to own, which, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Hmm? That's why Krishna is depicted as some complete, you know, enjoyer. He's the, you know, center of all enjoyment. Hmm? Hmm? And, uh, and he knows everything, and so you know, there's something to be said in the way he's depicted as speaking to us, right? So uh, to become the friend of the one who knows and everything and owns it is not hard because he's friendly. <laughs> Matter of fact, he only seems unfriendly because we're trying to know, trying to get. If I come to you and I say, and I say, "Hi, really nice to meet you," you know. <laughs> You're a really nice person, you know, and I'm thinking, what do you got in there, you know? You got, you're going you're to be a little standoffish, right? By if you think oh, you're approaching me, but I, I want your money only, all you know, your things, hmm? and and if I for I, for I or if I want your your, your knowledge, I just want to take your knowledge, and then I'm going to, you know, plagiarize it and use it for myself, my own prestige or something like that, for example. So. Uh, these people are, you know, show them, you know, so-and-so's here, he wants something. Somebody, somebody wants your knowledge, someone wants your things, you know, send them to the garage or whatever, you know. <laughs> now, if somebody else is there and they don't want anything, they want to, they, they only want to know one thing, what do you want? It's kind of hard, you kind of like, uh, is this a joke? Are you kidding? Are there really people like that? Hmm? <laughs> this is what the brudge people are like. But Krishna, if you have that idea, if you get that idea from Sadhusanga, Krishna's like, what? You want that? Hmm? Despite, doesn't matter how unqualified you are, and we're super unqualified, hmm? to have that aspiration through good association, and then to understand and, and to understand the aspiration properly, you want to get Krishna's attention, because that's what Krishna means. Krishna means. That he that he is in the palm of Yashoda's hand, Yashodanandan. I mean, he that's who he, he he has Brahman has become the son of Yashoda Ananda. I mean, do you know who Brahman is? Brahman is Brahman. Mm-hmm. What can you say about Brahman? It's everywhere. Uh, how can it move? It's running away from Yashoda. Hmm? <laughs> no, no. Don't tie me up. What is her power? What is the power of Vatsalya Bhakti? Hmm? Right? So, <laughs> this is a very peculiar idea, but this the power of love is the point. What it can, the power of love hmm, in, can capture the Godhead, so to speak. This is what, this is what the Brajalila means, all these pictures and stories. This is what it's philosophically, this is what it's about. <clears throat> um, but, of course, what is that love then you know that it appears like he might even look like she loves him she's tying him up what kind of love is that in the dhamadar leela krishna's mother so does binding krishna to the mortar i thought she's supposed to love him it's god you know but this is a way in which the serving ego 
matures, for example, in this case, into Vatsalya Rasa, and everything about it, Krishna is loving. He loves being tied up by, by you know, Mother Yasoda more than any yogi tying himself up in knots and trying to conquer the mind and the senses and and uh, become a Krishna, you know, or whatever they're they're thinking. It's not attractive to Krishna. Hmm. The plaintive calls of 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 Radha, even those that are chastising him, are more pleasing to his ears than the chanters of, of the Vedas and so forth. So this is a very peculiar realm, Goloka. Hmm. What does uh, Brahma say? He says, hmm. Gokula, what is it? Hmm. Brahma Samhita. Um, Kanta Kanta Parama Purushakal Pataro Drumabu Mischin Damani Ganamai Toyamamritam Kataganam Natyam Gamanam Bamsi Priyasaki Chidanandam. He says, known by a f- this place, Golok is known by very few, very rare, rare people. Hmm. Very rarely attained. And this is the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. To give it everywhere. Namo Mahabhananaya. Krishna Prima Pradayate. He knew Rupa Goswami. Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauri Sainam. He knew what he was talking about when that when that he wrote that, came out with that spontaneously with such a prayer. Hmm. So so this is this is a realm hmm, in which there is such freedom with the absolute that it's inconceivable. We can only depict it in ways like the freedom a mother has over her over her son, the freedom a friend has with a friend, the freedom a lover has with her beloved. Hmm? We can only depict it at that to help us understand it by comparison to our human um, experience. Hmm? And at the same time, that freedom is afforded through the underlying basis of that is this self-sacrificing and self-forgetfulness, serving ego of divine slavery. They only wanted to know what turns him on. Hmm? Um, they don't even want to worship him because you worship him, he's there, you're here. There's a distance between the two. Oh, and it goes, and he ohms back. You know, to bridge the gap, that, that is the idea of love in Brudge. So this is a kind of divine uh, slavery. So we're marketing slavery and everybody wants freedom. Hmm? Smart people want freedom. Less intelligent people want the bondage that comes from acquisition. You acquire the thing without knowing that the thing is acquiring you. Hmm? So, <laughs> so this is Brudge Bhakti. So when you so the point being when you give yourself entirely like the Brajbasis to Krishna, hmm, then there's no expectation of, re- of return. The giving is the is the reward. How he will reciprocate at any given time, it's entirely up to him. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Hmm? Like I've given an example of Juan, one of our, our caretaker who was born on our property. In, in, in Costa Rica, in Madhuban, in the jungle there. And, um, you know, I came to work one day, and uh, last day 
we had I had them digging like trenches for water pipes and and so I thought and I'll give them something less to do and we're out there doing it with them too but uh, I was thinking you know, for our devotees especially but one I said I'll give you something else to the guest of this work was a little hard he says well it doesn't matter hard work easy work that has no my job is is to, is to please you that's all if it's hard it doesn't matter if it's easy it, that it doesn't matter the objective is just to please so he transcended what wanting to get away from the hard work and have the easy work or to be happy and to avoid distress he transcended it just by my job I'm a servant that's what I do my only business is to please you that's my job hmm. so it's very very beautiful that that's why they say from the Vaishnav point of view when looking at the Varnashram Dharma with the divisions of castes which is the highest caste there's the Sudras the Vaishyas the Kshatriyas and the Brahmins which is the highest caste the Sudras because they already know how to serve you just got to put put Krishna in front of them and they've already got that serving ego the Brahmins are a little too smart <laughs> to serve <laughs> lazy intelligent to use Prabhupada's term lazy intelligent I mean that's just of course one way of, of, of looking at it to emphasize the point that our concern is to is to is to is to um, is to dismantle the the enjoying ego hmm, and assemble the serving ego the enjoying ego means it's for me without thinking I look at the world for me how can it serve me I'm not thinking consciously like that but that's how I'm actually functioning and when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu looked at the world what did he see the grass said why aren't you humble like us bending without any resistance when people walk on us he looked at the trees and the trees said why aren't you tolerant like us? If people come and chop us down, we provide shade for them. Hmm? In the winter we give warmth, in the summer we give shade. Why aren't you tolerant like us? The world, the environment spoke to him in this way. It means that it means he had a, his bhava was like that. He was like that. Therefore, the world spoke to him like that. Hmm? So his bhava is projected <coughs> on the world. And then he, the world becomes alive and talks to him about it, and 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 serves to to continue to grow that serving, self-sacrificing, self-forgetfulness type of ego and so forth. So this is the way. This is how you bring the world to life. You see, because we look at the world as if it's for us, and we think who we are is is something that's derived from that very thought. That thing is mine. Could be mine. It's my world. It's my planet, even. It's better than some some mice, but but still, an <laughs> identity is formed by that, and that identity is one in which in which the the true proprietor is not in the picture. If you if you if you bring in the real owner, then the tendency to take what's not yours will be diminished, right? You're standing in line at the grocery store and somebody drops a $20 bill. You've got a choice. You could step on it until he goes away and then go down and tie your shoe and pick it up. 
Or you could say, well, you know, I'm a decent person. That person dropped it. It belongs to him. Take it in. Now, if you find a $20 bill blown in the wind and there's nobody around, you figure it's yours, right? Because you don't, you, don't, you don't see the proprietor. So bhakti means to bring the proprietor into the picture, and he's really quite charming. And it's, it's quite fitting. You think, yeah, he's a fitting person to be in the center. When I was young, I used to, I gave up talking because I found, uh, I was in California at the time, and I, was, I found that we all get together and we're really just talking to, to hear ourselves talk. That's what we're all doing most for the most part. That's how I felt about the conversations, the group of people. But I would, when I looked at kind of the bottom of it, I thought, this, this is what it's all about. And uh, so I just so it became silent. Mona Brata was my, my start there. Hmm. Um, but hearing about Krishna, now here's somebody worth talking about, and so worth somebody worth, li- worth listening to. Also, really has something to say. So, so we bring him into the picture, and then our tendency to exploit, to take, is removed, and tendency to serve is brought in. And what could it be a better remedy, or a better formula for dismantling the, the enjoying the taking ego, than uh, introducing the, the serving ego, which is the antithesis of it. Hmm? Bhakti is the antithesis, in that sense, of the taking ego. In Gyan, we try to stop taking, but in Bhakti, we try to we, we give. Giving includes not taking. That's like a given. You follow? And so it's very more, much more powerful, and it's much more ego-effacing. I mean, this is the point I'm making. <laughs> if you can, if you say, okay, tell you what. You don't have to do anything. Don't take anything. Just sit, and you can live forever, happy. You know, you have nothing. You don't have anything to do anymore. You have no responsibility. Anything. Sound blissful. Just, just sit there. Don't do anything. Hmm. That is one thing. Okay. Now, if I tell you, okay, here's here's what you got to do. You got to serve 24 hours a day. Is that which is going to crush your material, enjoying ego more comprehensively. The former, the Gyan approach is going to like kind of stop taking, hold off, sit down, do nothing, stand in the corner, Um, don't have any responsibility. But now, if I have to serve, that's more painful. It asks more of you, much more of you. And of course, it's a beautiful idea, as I often say. Compare Gyan to Bhakti. What is more beautiful? Loving to exist. Ah, I don't die. I'm eternal. Or existing to love, which is more, which which makes more sense. Hmm? The latter. That's the idea of Bhakti. Hmm? So when you when you love, then to give, you give without expectation of return. In karma, when you give, you're expecting some return. In gyan, when you don't give, you're expecting some return. Hmm? You're going to get something for it. So in bhakti, we have no expectations. So this is the first part of the answer to your question. That, that Krishna may reciprocate with one devotee one way. He doesn't have to reciprocate with another devotee in the same way because that devotee does the same thing. So Putana dressed like a devotee. And Krishna gave her Batsali Ras. He didn't give her Batsali Ras in, in Braj, which are the center of the whirl of the lotus of Golok, but on some outer petal, hmm? some form of 
about Zolya Rosa. Uh, just because she dressed up like a devotee. Mm. Of course, now the, the situation with, with this, to go a little further with the situation of Putana, is different than, um, what was his name? Perlamba Sura, the clinger. Perlamba Sura, hmm. who clings on. Um, because the the act of Putana comparatively is more hideous than the act of Perlambasura because Krishna was in, was uh, was only like three months old so a three month old child is completely defenseless and the mother lady dresses up like a mother offers her tender breast to nurse the baby and puts poison on it that's like CNN headlines. <laughs> How you, you see the, the formula, the recipe is like it couldn't be worse. You got this very defenseless, innocent child in the stage of just nursing, and the mother's breast comes. It's fake and it's got poison on it. It's like the worst possible thing. And he gave the best, uh, uh, an ex- extraordinary way in which he responded to that, which caused Uddhava, the learned Uddhava, to go, what he said, what kind of, who is who in the right mind would take shelter of anybody than Krishna? Look what he does, how he responds to this. It's incredible. This was his statement. Now you take Perlamba, it's a little different. Krishna's fighting, that's the whole pastime. It's called Yudavira. So it's a it's a rasa that is a, a secondary rasa that is compatible with sakya rasa. So those who in, in fraternal love, they the, the, the center of this fraternal love is a sense of equality with Bhagavan. Hmm? You have Bhagavatam centers are about elders of Krishna, equals of Krishna, and lovers of Krishna. That means Vatsali rasa, sakya rasa, madhurya rasa. These are the three main centers. The tenth canto of the Bhagavatam, focusing on, showcasing these sentiments. Hmm? So Sakyarasa is, is, is about equality. So friends are equals, hmm? and they are equals of Krishna. They really are equals of Krishna, hmm? uh, in all respects, and uh, and that's the feeling of it as well. And so uh, there they are. Uh, um, challenging one another, they pick teams. Balaram's on one side, Krishna's on the other. They've got their friends, and they're going like this. These are their Anubhavs and making these kind of gestures. And boasting is also part of the Anubhav, and they're really good at boasting. But what they're going to do and how they're powerful, and Krishna's nothing, and who does Balaram think he is, and so forth. And 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 and, and then they, then it goes, you know, and this and then they're. They're going to wrestle and so forth. So it's a little different than a defenseless three-month-old three infant, right? And so this other character comes from, you know, Kamsa's, um, one of Kamsa's, Kamsa's minions, and uh, disguised like a cowherd uh, boy, and Krishna detects him, right? And um, somewhat accepts him as a friend, but Balaram, of course, 
is on the other side, and um, and he ends up fighting, you know, as they team, you know, as they square off with one another. Balaram is fighting with with Perlumba. so Balaram has a certain ego hmm, with regard to Krishna. He's the protector of Krishna, as the elder brother. He's the best friend of Krishna. He is really the personification of the of the serving ego. Balaram is like, you know, he he he. Um, he um, he contradicts the adage that three is a crowd. Hmm? You've heard the English adage, three is a crowd. So you got lover and the beloved, and it's time for us to be alone. You know, three is a crowd. It's time for you to go home. You know, so and so. But Balaram, wherever Krishna is, in any avatar or any expansion. With his with a corresponding form of Radha or uh, a Lakshmi, hmm? Balaram is there as an aunt to say he's he's the, he's the bed, the serpent bed. He's the he's serving in, 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 as the shoes of Krishna and the, the uh, other other things and so forth. He's always there, hmm? and his own consort is like a secondary. Balaram is like if you have a movie and there is a there's the heroine. And the hero, and the hero's got a best friend, and he's got a wife too. Mm-hmm. But you don't know her name, or she comes in one act, you know, and that's, that's about it. That's Balaram. Hmm? He's he's Krishna's friend. He is, and, and um, Balaram, yes, is, uh, the Bhaktabhiman um, say, Mulu say Balaram, the root. Of the bhakta abhiman, the ego of a devotee is Balaram. He's the he's the original devotee, so to speak. <laughs> so he's Bhagawan in the mood of a devotee, yeah, not like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but in the in the Brajlila, right? So he is wrestling with um, with Perlamba, and so he sees that Perlamba came with a with a evil intentions and towards Krishna and he's not going to have anything you know to do with it and so he um, defeats Perlamba and so on. so the circumstances are, are a little bit uh, different one side is Krishna could reciprocate anyway that's and you'll be ready for that hmm? he could embrace you or neglect you and as Mahaprabhu says in his Shastakam in the mood of Radha whether he embraces me or tramples on me I'm his servant, regardless, doesn't make any difference. That's the ego, right? But besides that, I guess they say the circumstances are different. Balaram's in the play, and he's really the one that slayed um, the uh, the um, Perlumba, the minion of of, of Kamsa in that, in that <coughs> form. Does that help? Yeah, it's different. Balaram Jai. <laughs> okay, so what's the time? Just in time. So nice to be with you all tonight. And tomorrow evening the festival starts. We're expecting some more guests, right? Or tomorrow morning? Or um, guests are coming tomorrow morning, but the festival officially starts tomorrow night. Five o'clock And of course, it's raining. You know, it will be held here. And if it's not raining, it'll be at Sargrahi. Yes. Hmm. Okay. So usually we have questions in the evening and then some other discussion in the, in the mornings. So.
We'll take our chances. If it, if we, if we, well, what we did last time when that happened is we went up to the Barnashram and did the program there. It was quite nice, actually. Barnashram ki jai. Sirada Madhava ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi.